Oh, I am so excited to have my next guest on the show. His name is Gary Collins. And Gary has a very interesting and unique background that includes military intelligence, special agent for the U.S. State Department Diplomatic Security Service, U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, and U.S. Food and Drug Administration. Gary's background and expert knowledge brings a much-needed perspective to today's areas of simple living, health, nutrition, entrepreneurship, self-help, and being more self-reliant. This is a funny and informative episode you will not want to miss. Next on the CJ Evolution Podcast. Hello, everybody. Welcome back. Thank you for tuning in to this incredible show. We continue to grow because of you, the listener and supporter, sharing it with your family and friends. Thank you so much for tuning in. A big shout out of support and gratitude to the brave men and women who protect this great country every day. Whether you're in the United States military, whether you're serving as a first responder, EMS, fire, whatever you are doing, thank you so much. Keep up the fantastic work and you have much support. Keep it up. Want to give a big shout out to our sponsors. First, Detecticam. Mobile threat detection is available now, folks, in the palm of your hand. This amazing and innovative company has come up with mobile threat detection, again, for the palm of your hand that is protecting our brave men and women in uniform, whether it's the military or first responders. Head over to cjevolution.com. You can see the link to Detecticam. I'm willing to bet they can do so much to help keep your troops safe. I am very excited to be partnered now with Onnit. Onnit is the leader in clinically studied supplements from the cognitive enhancing alpha brain, which I use, to the daily stress formula of new mood. Onnit has a wide variety of formulas designed to help people achieve their optimal performance. CJEvolution.com is where you're going to see the link to this great company. Click it and see what they can do for you. On to the show. I give you the one, the only Gary Collins. Gary Collins is on the show. Gary, you there? Thanks for having me on, Patrick. We just had a really interesting <laughs> conversation. We, may, we should have recorded. We should. It may have offended a lot of people. Better we didn't. <laughs> well, you are. We just had an amazing conversation uh, off the air. Um, but for those people, I know you've been on. You know, you've been on Coast to Coast. You've been on Fox News all these other kind of, you know, high-profile organizations and outlets. Can you, and people, if you don't know who Gary Collins is, you're probably living under a rock, but can you give the listener a little bit about yourself, sir? No, I've been very fortunate. I've done a lot of interviews uh, doing what I do, and uh, I love George Nori. I've had Yeah, he's the man. Yeah, so that was, I've been on there twice, and it's like a dream come true. But I just... We're talking. I came from a very small town in a remote part of California, which people have a hard time believing. But there are some very remote parts. My town was 1,800 people. The town I was attached to was 25 miles away, which was less than 100 people. So I grew up very poor. Um, we were all poor. One just me. We all were for the most part. Middle class was rich in my town. And, you know, growing up that way with a very simple upbringing, you know, my 
biggest things were hunting, fishing, hiking, riding my bike. You know, my most important items were my basketball, my baseball, my glove, you know, my football. I, I still have my glove and original football. Wow. And yeah, I still own my shotgun that I hunted with and got when I was 12, 13, still hunt with it to this day and stuff like that. I knew even though times were hard and growing up, you know, being a teenager and all that angst and, you know, fitting in and all that kind of goofy stuff. I realized I was still happy. That was some of the happiest points of my life. Mm -hmm. So I leave from that, you know, I go to college, uh, you know, go from my town of 1800 people to a college of 38,000 people, students. And, uh, yeah, had to learn my way, got through college, ended up in the military. I was a cryptologist enlisted and eventually became an Intel officer. So I'm a Mustang. (laughs) And when it ended up, my goal was to go into law enforcement. Uh, I start off as an engineer, mechanical engineer had a scholarship in mathematics and I end up as a CJ major. Oh God, my <laughs> courses were fun. Oh, was it the best decision? I, I debate that, mm-hmm. you know, back then college was different because if you made a bad decision in college on your major, it wasn't going to bankrupt you like it will today. You know, you could, you could oh. recover. Yes. And there weren't those kind of degrees. I mean, most of the degrees had some meaning to them, right? Um, and so from there, yeah, I ended up in the military and got in law enforcement. My first job was with the U S state department diplomatic security service and traveled all over the world and did uh, more white or more traditional investigations. Obviously it was uh, just prior nine 11. And so a lot, you know, USS Cole bombing had happened. I was sure. on that team that went over. And so went from that into white collar. Uh, went to, to the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, and yeah, try that one out. <laughs> Big leap, but uh, you know, getting burned out, traveling all the time, you know, getting sick overseas, and just it was a rough, rough life. And went into that, and then ended up at the FDA at the end, and just a lot of life lessons learned. Mm-hmm. But I had a wide spectrum of how the government worked, and I think after spending half my life in the federal government, I was just toast. Mm-hmm. I think I was just done. And I realized it and kind of made a, a very difficult life decision and said, I'm done. I'm leaving. I'm out. And never looked back. Mm-hmm. Never, you know, don't relive the glory days or anything like that. I said, part two of my life is about to start or part three when you think about it. And went off and said, I'm going to do what I'm passionate about. Uh, I'm not going to have any bosses if I can help it. And started a health company and did did other jobs. I ran a health company for a while, was a college professor, just anything, you know, to pay the bills. Mm-hmm. That's all I was trying to do. Got debt free. I short sold my ridiculously expensive house in Southern California, which is even more ridiculously expensive today than it was <laughs> even then, yeah. which is shocking. I went, no one will ever pay that what I paid for that house. And now, no, they're paying more for it is the wow. crazy part. And I got rid of everything. I literally sold almost everything everything I owned except for my tools, my dogs and my, my road bike and my mountain bike. Those were, that's why, and my baseball bit, my, my, my football, my shotgun took those with me too. And basically downsized into a small cottage, which was about 475 square feet, started over, became debt free and basically said, I'm going to pursue the life I want. And I'd always had in the back of my mind to get back to that simple lifestyle because I had realized when a kid, when you're a kid, you think it sucks, right? Mm-hmm. You're all, 
oh, how could my parents, how could they make me live in this crappy little town? <laughs> I dated all the girls by the time I was 16 that were any good looking. And you know what? You're just, you're like, I need something else. And, but looking back, I go, gosh, how lucky was I? I was so fortunate. And it, it made me a better person and, and having relationships. And we were talking about, I have all my friends I grew up with, almost all of them to this day. And we talk frequently. We hang out together. We still go see each other. Heck, I'm going to go hunting with one of my friends I grew up with this year again. Stuff like that. And that's the fortunate part of growing up that way mm -hmm. and having these really bonding relationships because we went through everything together. Mm -hmm. I know more about my friends than I know about my own family because we spent that much time together. Yeah. And so, yeah, the whole pursuit was to get back to that. And I had a dream while I was in the government. I go, hey, you know, I'm going to buy some land remotely, maybe build a cabin, kind of get away where I can unplug and just decompress and kind of was working on that plan and had to put it on hold as I got out. And then we're talking about a good friend of mine got killed in a training accident yeah. and he was doing the same thing. We had talked about it. He was looking for land and I was kind of looking and I, it kind of lit a fire in me. I went, you know, if I keep saying I'm going to do this and I don't do it, I'm going to regret it. So I did it. I literally put a plan together within a couple months, went out, started looking again. I'd done all my cursory looks years before. So I knew the area generally where I wanted to go and I did it. And, uh, I was doing interviews for my health company mm -hmm. and he asked me what I was doing. I was, I, I, I was well known and still kind of in the survivalist communities. Cause I was the primal paleo health guy. Yeah. <laughs> they, they go, Hey, this guy, you know, cause they, in the communities, people understand they have a lot of the same health problems. No one's immune today. So I was a little different breed. I could come in and, and, and talk in a different way. Cause I, you know, I grew up remotely and kind of saw things a little differently. So I was said, he goes, what are you up to next? Gosh, I bought 20 acres. I'm going to build a house off the grid. He goes, what? Hold on. We've never even talked about this. And I go, no, no, this is a life plan. I went, this has nothing to do with the business, nothing to do with it. Mm -hmm. And uh, I got a ton of emails after that interview. People are going, what are you doing? How'd you find your land? You know, how are you going to build it? And I went, oh, oh God, I better start documenting this yeah. when I think I have my next book written because I'd written three health books, but they were for clients and I'd put them on Amazon just to put them on there. There was no writing plan at that point. It was more just get the information out there, sold some books. They did okay. Nothing spectacular. They, you know, better than they should have done because they were my first books. I didn't know what I was doing. And so, yeah, that book took off. I published it and it mm -hmm. kind of sat around and all of a sudden it took off. I did some interviews on some podcasts and, and even George Norrie found I, that was the first interview I did on uh, his show was because of that book. And from there I realized I was transitioning away from health. Not really. It was still the core of what I teach, but I realized I was going more in a life simplification direction. You know, I was each stage as I was going, I was decluttering, getting rid of things and refining systems, getting rid of things that were just basically slowing me down. Yeah. They'd had no benefit, but society had told me that I had to do them, right? I had to get a 30-year mortgage that I couldn't afford, really. I had to have a nicer car than I really needed. You know, I've fallen right into the trap everyone else has fallen into. And by getting rid of all that noise and and disengaging a little bit, I, I, I didn't do it to hide. I did built this house and what I do for freedom. That's the whole point behind it. It's not to hide out and escape and 
<laughs> erase my identity and, and live in a, you know, get, write a manifesto. It wasn't that. And, and so from that, this whole thing kind of grew. Next thing you know, I'm writing a series called The Simple Life. I've done two other off-grid books kind of relating to each other. But a lot of it's written for the everyday person like me and you. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Who wants an easier life. And that's where it came from. Well, I, we were talking uh, before we started, uh, Gary, and and I told you, you, you are not the normal <laughs> person that retires, you know, from a government job or law enforcement, which you did. And and that's what makes it so cool with what you're doing is you're, you're not the norm. And I know you hear that a lot. Um, and But I, I think it's amazing. I think it's great, you know, that you've, because like you said, we're so conditioned by society of how we have to have this and have that we have to have these big homes and nice cars and you know the, the, the latest cell phone and all that shit and I love it because you said you know what I'm, I'm, I'm not going to do it and I'm going to you know declutter and do this with my life so many people can't do that or let me let me rephrase they can but they won't right well it's a weird feeling too because when I I have this story of when I sold everything in my house, I put everything, I didn't even put everything on Craigslist. I just said, fire sale. <laughs> and I took pictures of rooms and my garage. I didn't take pictures of items or an item. I took pictures of everything and said, it's all for sale. Come get it. First, first come, first serve. And within 48 hours, I literally almost got rid of everything. And I made about 10 grand. People are like, are you crazy, dude? You're getting rid of this. I sold the seat. <laughs> If we could take it off because I short sold my house, I was bent at the bank. It was a long story. I got totally screwed. I was one of the people put 20% down, did everything right, remodeled the house, and I hit hard times. And they said, eh, too bad. We're good. You know, and I went, really? I do everything right, and you're telling me you won't even work with me for a year? No. Sell your car. That's what they told me. They go, sell your car and make your house payment. I went, hmm, okay. Uh, yeah, okay, we're, we're done. You can have this piece of crap. I don't care anymore. You know, it just mm-hmm. the banking, it, t- terrible, terrible industry. And so it kind of helped make my mind up for me. But I was loading this kitchen table that I'd spent months finding, right? Spent all this wasted time to find a kitchen table. I'm a single guy with two dogs. You know what? Me and my two dogs going to sit at the kitchen table? Every, no. I sat at that thing like five times. And it was this just monstrosity of a table. And this guy comes over and he goes, oh, man, we've been looking for a table. We really like that table. I go, make me an offer. You want it? And he goes, yeah. So we, I sold it. We strapped that thing. We took it all apart, strapped the, the tabletop to the top of his uh, Ford Explorer with rope. And I went, oh, God, I hope this thing stays on. And uh, he drove away. And I remember going, that was the last really big. That was pretty much it. Everything else was just little stuff. Mm-hmm. And I remember I was depressed at first because I almost felt as though I had failed. It didn't last long. And then all of a sudden I went, I I took a deep breath and I went, wait a second. I don't have to move this crap anymore. I sold all of it. I can get everything in in a couple loads of my truck and I'm out of here. I'm done. And it was almost like I was reborn because I realized I was truly free for the first time since I was a kid in a way. I went, I have nothing holding me here. 
I can do anything I want. I can take any job I want anywhere. I can, you know, I was in the process of beginning to start my own business and I went, now I can start my own business. I just got to get my finances in order, you know, downsize. I'd already found my, my place. And so I was already living in it in the last 30 days of transitioning in and out of the house. And it was just a huge weight had been lifted. Mm -hmm. I mean, I, I can't even tell you the feeling. It was that odd. It was almost like I won the lottery. The follow part was though, the downside I didn't see coming was I had now so much freedom. I didn't know what to do with it. Mm -hmm. I, I was actually confused because I went, okay, I can do anything. And you start bombarding yourself with all these thoughts. What, and you're like, which one do I choose? I don't know. I can do any of them. And, and that was the hard part. And not only that, but I had to redevelop hobbies, which I'm sure you did when you retired is I'd lost my hobbies. I, the job had taken over and I went, Oh, I got to fill my time with something productive. And I had some health issues. I had to get my spine fused and some other stuff. So I had to take care of myself for a year or two and kind of get back on my feet physically. But it gave me time to kind of reflect and get my act together. But yeah, it was, it was painful. I'm not going to lie. It mm -hmm. was, there was two, three years of some really dark, dark time. Mm -hmm. But it was also a transition that had to be made. It was one of those either I keep floating in Groundhog Day like a lot of people do today <laughs> and be miserable, go to a job I don't like, sit in my car for two hours out of the day, um, you know, come home, hey, don't, don't talk to my neighbors, you know, just kind of the typical lifestyle we're living today, which I just don't think is very healthy yeah. in general. Yeah. And we were talking again before – Gary, and I'm just a firm believer that if you hate your job, if you can't stand it, and it's, a, it's toxic, and it's just sucking the life out of you, why don't you quit? And I know what people are going to say. They're listening to this, and they're saying, well, I can't quit. You know, I got bills. I got a mortgage. I, I get that. <laughs> we live in a, in a society where you, the, the, we have plenty of jobs out there, and sometimes, yes, you're going to have to take a pay cut, but if you are that friggin' unhappy. Leave. Get something else. Sometimes you have to step down to step back up. So I, I don't I don't buy into this crap that people say that I'm stuck. I can't. You know, I, I just never have. Once you figure out the why, the how is gonna come. That's just what I believe. And if you are that unhappy, leave and do something that you're happy. If that if that means flipping burgers, if that's gonna make you happy, I'm not knocking people who do that, then do it. But don't sit there and bitch all the time, you know. Just hey, do something with your life, all right? I flip, I flip burgers and wash dishes. Oh, good. And flip <laughs> I mean, I've done it all. I've dug ditches. I mean, I've done menial labor, and there's nothing wrong with that. And I don't know why people are so opposed yeah. to making a sacrifice in order to better themselves. And I always have a, I have a saying that I tell people, if you ever start – your sentence with I can't when referring to something that you want to do to change your life in the positive, that is a short, is short for I won't. Yeah. Instead, you need to start, and this is kind of a mind trick, and I'm talking about it in uh, the next book, Financial Freedom, which I, it's my best book. I can't wait to get this thing out. And I say you need to start the sentence with I want to do that. How do I do it? And where do I start? Mm-hmm. If you do that, every time you run into something, because any change is painful, that's the part of change. 
And if you think it's going to be easy, you're daydreaming. You're dreaming. It doesn't work that way. Life does not work that way. No matter what the politicians tell you, they're going to give you free college, health care. That's all pandering. You got to let that go. If you want to be successful, you're, you're going to have to do your time in the salt mines, as we used to say. <laughs> you know, I had a, friend, a good guy in the law enforcement that used to say it all the time, oh, just doing my time in the salt mines. <laughs> and it's true because you have to sacrifice it to get better. And not only that, but you don't learn anything from everything going smoothly. Hard, the hard times are where you learn. Those are the lessons. And that's, again, part of our, our hunter-gatherer you know, uh, ancestry, because you, the pain, you know, suffering, those are all mechanisms to learn off of to survive. Yeah. So you don't do them again, but you have to do them to learn them. That's the point. Yeah. And I'm with you. I say that all the time too. And I, I have friends who don't like their job. I go, best time to look for a job is when you got one. What's, yeah. what's holding you back? You, this one wor- is working. Go search for another one. And I think we've been programmed in a, in a way, and I, I talk about this in the new book a lot too, of we think we're taught we don't have choices, that we just need to do what is expected to us in society, right? These societal beliefs, right? You have to go through this pattern. When you're young, you don't focus on saving. You don't focus on what you're going to do next. You don't focus on buying a reliable car so you can get a good job. Or if you want to go to college, for a degree that is in a specialty that mm-hmm. needs a degree, not in liberal arts or drama <laughs> or philosophy of the 15th century or whatever. <laughs> Those are great passion degrees. They are not good life degrees. And I will never poo-poo college unless you do something like that. You know, And if you're going to do that, realize don't go in debt. I have no problem with you getting a degree in that. Just don't go in a hundred grand of debt to do it. Sure. And I wrote a whole chapter about that too. And so the evolution, so now you must go to college. Now you must get in debt. While you're in college, you need to get credit cards because you need to establish your credit rating so you can get a home loan after you get out of college. Then after you get college, you got to get married, you got to have kids, you got to buy a home. And all these pieces are to keep you in line. Exactly. Because each one is a piece of debt. It's a piece of almost brainwashing. So how do you get out of that pattern if you keep following it? And I think that's where I drew my line in the sand. I followed it and I go, this, this isn't working. This, I'm more miserable than I've ever been before. And I followed the American dream to the T. I did everything I was told to do. And I think that's when I just went, no, long as I'm not doing any harm to anyone else, what's the problem if I pursue what I want to pursue? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's kind of my definition of freedom, right? Yeah. Freedom is doing the things you want and being the happiest you can be when, as long as you're not impinging on someone else's uh, a path of freedom and happiness. Mm-hmm. That's how I look at it, you know? And I think we get programmed, we think, well, I can't leave this. If I can't make my mortgage, and the problem is the reason you can't leave is because you've already spent all your money. Because statistically, most Americans can't pay for a four or $500 emergency. Mm-hmm. They can't use, they're afraid of maxing their credit cards on a $100 purchase. We are in dire straits financially. And I, I always say this, I go, we don't have a earning problem in this country. We have a major spending problem. Mm-hmm. And people don't like to hear that because they go, oh, you don't understand a working wage. No, yeah, actually I do. I, I made three thirty-five an hour in my first job. Mm-hmm. I knew that was not going to support me. <laughs> you know, duh. And I'm not saying the landscape hasn't changed. But I always put it in reality because everyone wants $15 an hour, and I'm in a state that has it on the in the Seattle side. And $15 an hour if you work only 40 hours a week, which is uncommon today, 
you will make just shy of being in the richest 1% in the world. Our poorest in this country are the richest mm -hmm. people in the world. You Can need we... to let that sink in. Simple <laughs> as it gets. If you can't afford it, don't buy it. Yeah. And what's happened is we've been programmed to say, well, I'm starting out, you know, I'm working in McDonald's or whatever. I'm, you know, I'm in my entry level job, which is fine. I've done it. We've all, you have to do it. We all start somewhere. But using that as saying, well, I deserve a nice car. I deserve a cell phone. And if you were two people and say you got married and you're both making $15 an hour to work a fryer in a fast food restaurant, you're making 60 plus thousand dollars a year. Now you tell me how that makes sense. Mm -hmm. It makes absolutely zero sense. You have no tangible skills. You're just, you know, I'm not being a jerk, but you literally have no, no life or job skills at that mm -hmm. point for the most part, but yet you want to make 60 plus thousand dollars and have all the things that everyone, everyone in the middle class, everyone gets, everyone wants to be the same or better. And it doesn't work that way. You got to start out yeah. on the bottom and work your way up. Well, I does think, that mean you have to have two or three roommates? Yeah. yeah. I had them. I yeah. know. <laughs> I didn't and, have a house by myself. I didn't have a brand new car. And I think a lot, or well, maybe some of it, you, you let me know what you think, Gary, is, is we live in this society. And I, and I really think there's a dumbing down of America going on where you get, you know, again, we, without getting into politics, you know, you get politicians out there <clears throat> who say, yeah, you mentioned it, free college, free health care. And people are like, oh, my God, it's free. And I'm not trying to knock on the younger generation, but some of it is coming from the millennials who are like, oh, I mean, oh, they just said this guy said, you know, things are going to be free. Had this uh, discussion with my daughter a couple of years ago. She's getting ready to go off to college. And she said, hey, man, it's, you know, these politicians are saying, hey, college is going to be free. And I said, who do you think is going to pay for it? Just get just free? No, somebody pays for it yeah, <laughs> down the road. You know, I mean, somebody is paying for it. It's robbing from the rich and giving it to the poor. You know, it's, you know, I mean, it's just ridiculous. But my point in that is people need to ignore that, what you said. And I agree with that. The problem is I don't think a lot of people are. I think people see no. that and they say, oh, shit, this guy said it was going to be free. Where's my free shit? Well, and not only that, but what does that, what lesson does that teach? Handouts never teach anything. No, you know that's that tip, that old saying. You know, I'll give you a hand up, but I'm not going to give you a handout. Mm -hmm. And I even talk about that in the new book about the chapter on college. And I say that I go, that's great that parents want to save and put together these funds so their kids can go to college and it's paid for. I go, but there's no lesson learned there. Mm -hmm. You, you, I had roommates. I was the only guy who worked. I had three roommates in college. I was the only guy with a job. I think one of my roommates at the end got a job just because I think he was bored. I don't know what he was doing, <laughs> but what they did, they learned how to do keg stands better than me. They slept in longer than me and they watched a lot of, uh, who's the boss and Gilgan's Island reruns while I had to go to work. The lessons were lost. And I, I told parents, I go, that's fine. You want to give them that, but they have to pitch in something work during the breaks, summers, part-time job, something. They got to do something. Just don't pay for their college and let them lay around for four or five years. And not only that, but they're getting indoctrinated by these college professors who have literally no background in what they teach. I was around guys who literally had no background in what they're teaching. They're 60 years old. They've never done it. Got to have a piece of paper that says they can. Yeah. And I go, 
you know, and today we have an issue too. We have this uh, kind of stigma of blue collar work. Well, that's how I grew up. Everyone, that's all I knew. I mean, I did it all a large part of my life. And so did my friends, family. We all had to. Today, it is harder to, they're having a harder time filling blue collar jobs than white collar jobs. That's one of the, I think it's one of the first times in history Mm -hmm. that it's happened in modern history because people, and there's so many blue, no one will take them and they pay outstandingly well. Could you imagine making six figures and you didn't have to go to college Mm -hmm. and you could go to be 18 years old. And by the time you're 19, you're, you're pulling in a hundred plus grand Mm -hmm. because you were trained and you know what you're doing. And I find it fascinating that they won't take it up on, on that. They'd rather complain and, go, again, go, I want free college instead. Hmm. You know, there's nothing. And uh, talking about success, everyone thinks success just happens. But anytime you talk to someone who rose up and wasn't born on third base and thought they hit a triple, I mean, people who just grew up normal and had to figure it out. The commonality in those people who are successful is they worked really, really hard. Mm-hmm. And not only that, but they failed several, several times and figured and got up, dusted themselves off and went at it again. I agree. Yeah. And people think, too, and let me know what you think about this, Gary. People think the only path to success is college. I disagree. Look, I went to college, went to graduate school. I'm not knocking college. I think, you know, higher learning is good to the extent. But if you are basing everything off your success about just going to school and you're just going to walk out of college making 100 grand, it's a misnomer. It doesn't exist. Maybe in certain fields, maybe it does. But college is not the only path to success. You and I, we were were brought up that way. You do not have to be successful, or you don't have to go to college to be successful. You don't. I mean, look at people now. They are the norms. They're not, or they're the exception. They're not the rule. Bill Gates, Dell, Jobs, all these people, what'd they do? They dropped out of college. Jeff Bezos. I mean, I'm, I'm, just, I'm again, they're not, the, they're not the everyday Joe, but they're billionaires, some of the richest people in the world. I mean, I, I just don't get it. College is, is, is good. It, it's not the only path to success anymore. But that's how we still teach kids is that you have well, to go to school. And we come from the same belief in that sense. I've got three degrees myself, and mm-hmm. I've been a college professor. I've seen it from both sides. And people would think, that again, that I'm saying no college is stupid. Uh, don't it's not. The no. Same. no, 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 not at all. I'm saying that it's not for everyone and it's a different playing field today. When we were going through college, very far fewer people had college degrees. So that college degree was worth more, even if it was in more of a remote major that may not, you know, reflect to a job you're in. Matter of fact, when we were going through school, less than 50% of the people worked in their major. Mm-hmm. It was just, you wanted a college degree. You know, that's what you wanted. That's changed. It's not the same anymore. And the job landscape is changing too. Things are getting automated. AI's kicking in. So some of these tasks that were, could be higher end are no longer higher end because they can be done by, you know, machines. Mm -hmm. So now it's, it's changing as well. But I tell people college doesn't hurt. If you're lost and you don't know what to do in life and you, I always say, go to a junior college, pick up a couple courses. The rule is you don't go in debt for Mm -hmm. fishing expedition. (laughs) 
you go to it to try and find your way. Because, heck, when you're 18, I always say my eight, teenage years to 30, I was dumb as a bag of hammers. I mean, I didn't have a clue, <laughs> you know, for the most part. And that's part of growing up. And so it takes a while for you to kind of figure things out. But don't go into six-figure debt to figure things out. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? It's just they, that's what they want you to do, though. Because now the government controls student loans. When we were going to school, you know, I had to get it through a bank. Sure. It was backed by the government, if I remember right. Wasn't it? No. I think they, I think mine was straight through a bank. No, I think, I think they've backed it for a long time. I think the government now has their hands in everything. In everything. You know. and, and that's the thing I always tell people, too, is how much control do you want and how much do you want to give up? Mm -hmm. And if you want to give up control, go into massive amounts of debt and, and follow the mantra today. The average car is kicking close to $40,000, the, the new car today. I think it's 38000 maybe mm -hmm. thirty nine. New construction house is kicking close to four hundred grand, average. Pre-construct, uh, uh, pre or, uh, you know, uh, non-new house and non-new construction of, uh, are I think 259. I just had to do this research and you start thinking of those numbers and how much it costs mm -hmm. and how much debt you're going to get into. And that's, was part of that financial freedom book. Believe it or not, it's not an investing book. I go through the stages of life and I do it all by math and all the interest you're going to pay and all the money you wasted during your lifetime. And just, I did very conservative estimates and I didn't throw in the boats and vacations and the motorcycles. I didn't throw in all the stupid stuff that people will buy. I kept it very basic. The, the things we've been told to do for the most part, you will, the average American by my conservative tabula tabulation will, will waste a million point five dollars over their lifetime Jeez. and get nothing. And I did the math, invested the money they waste during their lifetime at just 5%. Because all the financial books always use 10, which is pie in the sky. That's all crap. Sell you a financial product. It's great if we could get 10%, but it doesn't usually work that way. So I used half that. I used five. It ends up being, I think, over $4 million you would have at retirement. And that would be if you took out just based upon not taking out of uh, uh, the just out, out of that retirement account, you're just living off basically the interest Mm -hmm. and dividends, you'd be taking in 20 grand a month to live off of. Jeez. Does that, does the stupid consumerism spending start to start to hit home mm -hmm. a little bit now? Yeah. We, we all in this country are so fortunate. We're the only country in the world for the most part where everyone has the potential to be a millionaire without any specialized training, without going to Harvard, Yale, every American has the capability of being a millionaire. It's, it's insane. And that's why I say we're, we're just spending ourselves into oblivion. Mm -hmm. It's the problem. And we've been taught that, though. I'm not saying, hey, that you're, you're an idiot. How dare you? I've done it. Yeah. And I, until I put the numbers to it. See, I'd put some of the numbers to it. And also, I have my side hustle in the government was real estate. So I had a real estate license for eight years. So I know real estate really well. And I remember my last closing statement it said I made money, and this is the controversial chapter. I don't know if you heard the George Norrie, but people freaked out when I said, I'm going to prove in this book, and this is no hype, it's all done by math, that the average American loses money in their house and loses a significant amount of money. And he, everyone, I guess they lost their mind. <laughs> 
and I guess he got a bunch of calls and he even clicked over in the break goes, can you explain this to me real quick? And I went, Oh, I'll try. Cause the math, you have to break it down. It's, there's a lot of pieces to it, but it's all basic math. And, uh, after I was done just starting, he goes, I'm not gonna be able to explain that, but he goes, I know where you're going and he goes, okay. And he goes, you're gonna have to come back on. <laughs> and so I did. And I broke down that whole chapter explaining how the biggest American dream is actually a, it's a pit of money loss. If, and I did it. If you do, everything goes right. I didn't use astronomical numbers. I didn't use astronomical negative numbers. I did the basic numbers and fundamentals that I, that I learned in real estate used all those numbers. And that those numbers are based upon everything going right. There's no crash. There's no flat line in appreciation. I use 3%, which is the standard has been the standard you lose and you lose significantly because mm-hmm. it's not in your closing statement. That closing statement just shows the difference between principal and interest payments. That's it. Or I mean, uh, principal and what you owe. So what you paid. So you, if you put 50 grand down and you paid for six years, the difference between that and what you owe is what they show on the closing statement, right? Mm-hmm. Minus your real estate agent fees and, and closing costs and all that. Well, they don't deduct how much interest you paid, house insurance, homeowners insurance, improvements, your utility bills. Uh, you know, if you're in your house three years, you can have a couple of remodels thrown in there probably. Um, you have to add all this into the cost of a house. And, but we, we keep being told is your house is uh, a magic unicorn investment. That's the dream. You keep buying houses, you can be rich. No, you're not. You're going to be poor. Mm-hmm. And I broke it out in the math to show you that because I had to learn it the hard way too, but I made quite a bit of money off real estate and then I lost a big chunk of it in the end. I got caught. And what I did too is the average person today owns their home for six to seven years. So on average, you do the numbers, you own 10 homes in, during your lifetime based on the numbers today. Mm-hmm. Well, when you do that, all of our int- all the interest on your car, your home, pr- you know, your private loans, all that kind of stuff, it's all front loaded. And most people don't understand how simple interest, compound interest, and an amortization works. They're very complicated formulas. Well, they're all geared to be front-loaded because they know more than likely you're going to get rid of it before you pay it off. Mm-hmm. So the first 20% of your loan, you'll pay 30, 30-plus 30 percent of your interest. So the only person getting rich off these investments are the banks, sure. the real estate industry, not you. You're making everyone else rich by playing into this model. And that's why I try to explain to, to people too who are trying to better than lives. Because what do you hear? I don't have enough time and I don't have enough money. Well, you spend seven hours watching TV, on the <laughs> internet, social media, and your smartphone every single day. Uh, you're the unhealthiest you've ever been as, as a society. We are just a few pounds from averaging obese male and female. We're, we should eclipse it in the next 12 months, oh, we average obese in this country. And I look around, I see it. People are huge. We are massive in this country. We are beyond big. And so we're kind of, it's this self-perpetuated illness we're causing. And I have a saying too, there's no money in healthy people. Trust me, I worked in the biggest health industry in the country, the federal government. The reason we're, we're getting unhealthier and getting bigger is because that's what they want. There's no money if we're healthy. Yeah. There's nothing. This healthcare issue, we wouldn't even be debating it. 
it wouldn't even be an issue right now. And that's the part that I always tell people, you focus on your health first and then everything else kind of falls in place mm-hmm. afterwards. Yeah, and I agree. I take a little different philosophy on that. Yeah, I went on a rant. Holy <laughs> No, I agree. I agree because it all starts with health. Look, if you're healthy, if you're sick, and I'm not knocking people, and I know you're not, uh, Gary, if you're, if you're sick, I, mean, I hope you get better. But uh, it all starts with health. You, you can't be good, you know, do side hustles or do whatever you're doing on the side if you're not taking care of yourself and you're fit and you're healthy. You're not, I'm not saying, you, you know, you don't do anything unhealthy sometimes or have a French, you know, French fries or whatever, but it all starts with health. It all starts with that. And I agree with you. And, you know, like I said, I, the, the, you hit something, you know, Gary, when, you know, the, the, the money's in the medicine, you know, that's yeah. where the money's always been. It's always going to be, I am a firm believer. Now these people out there are probably going to think I'm some conspiracy theorist. I think the government has some sort of cure for, you can't tell me they don't have cure for some of this shit. Maybe, maybe you can, but we can put a man on the moon. We can't come up with cures for some diseases. I'm just not buying it. But the cure, the money is not in the cure. The money's in the medicine. The money's in the, in causing the problem. You see it in the pharmaceutical industry advertisements. I mean, two of the, the, the best ones I've seen. The first one is now the new one for men with a bend in their penis. Right? <laughs> now that is a health condition <laughs> that you must take care of. I mean, I about fell on my chair. I went, this, I thought it was a Saturday night life spoof. <laughs> I'm all, this can't be a real, and I'm all, oh my God. I think I've seen that too, yeah. Yeah, I'm all, this is an actual (laughs) real commercial. I didn't know that a bend in your penis was a health problem. I mean, they may sound like, you're going to fall over and die. (laughs) And there's people out there going, shit, I got to get this medication like right now, stat. Well, and you know what every every guy did. Looked down and went, (laughs) I got a bend. Oh oh my God. Honey, do I have a bend? I got to get to the doctor. And I mean, some of these commercials are getting so outrageous that. And you know why they keep coming up with them? Because people keep buying this shit. Well, because they know the first thing they're going to do is go right to their doctor. And they're going to go, I need this prescription. And how many, how many prescriptions or surgeries make your health better? They don't. They, they, they either the best, at best they stabilize you or they make it worse. And, and I tell people, I go, we've overcomplicated the health issue. And that's why, you know, obviously I included a health book in there. I've written others and I've made some enemies in the health world because I go, it's, this stuff's not that hard. I mean, once you get past the concepts and you, you ignore the typical health recommendations, you know, the food plate, which used to be the food pyramid, which cost $2 million to change a, a pyramid to a, a round plate. Only the government can do that. And, and I tell people, you, you just have to look at the human. What was the human devised to eat? What were we meant to consume? How would we exercise? How would we move? And they go, it can't be that. So I go, it is yeah. that simple. I go, are we going to eliminate health conditions? Absolutely not. But, and, and I'll get people that get all angry at me because, you know, they think, oh, he's in good shape. He came out with his mom doing cartwheels and gymnastics. And, and I go, no, no, no. I had... I still have severe health conditions, mm-hmm. but I don't first, first thing I don't do is bitch about them all the time. You're giving it energy. A lot of my friends don't even know what my health conditions are because I keep them to myself yeah. and I deal with them. I say being healthy is not being, uh, you know, Michael Phelps. It is being the healthiest you can possibly be within your limitations. Mm-hmm. 
So if you have health conditions, that doesn't mean you give up. And that's kind of where we've gone. We've gone, well, I can't do that. You know, the best is I got when people go, oh, yeah, I got type two diabetes. And I kind of look at them and go, oh, so you're you're making really bad health choices. Mm -hmm. And they're all, what do you mean? I go type two and type one are not the same. You do realize that, right? Type one's genetic. Type two is lifestyle. Mm -hmm. That is 100 percent you making a bad lifestyle choice. That's what type two diabetes is. They've conditioned you to think, because now they call it a disease. You eating Big Macs and sitting on your couch is not a disease. And what the, their medical community's gotten really smart is now they're just categorizing everything as a disease. Everything you do to screw up your life. But I don't blame people either because we're given the wrong information. We're, we're being totally told wrong on how to treat healthcare. It boils down to eating the proper diet, eating when you're hungry, not when you're told and getting some exercise, Yeah, move and get proper sleep. I mean, sleep's a big one, but if you do those other two, usually sleep comes along with it. Yeah. And I always see this too, unhealthy, unhealthy gut, unhealthy mind. And I've seen this with numerous clients. I've watched the lights turn on slowly, but surely some it's really quick. Once we get their health in or I go, yeah, trust me, I go, I went through this myself. I thought I was healthy. I was doing everything wrong, figured it out, changed my life, dedicated myself to being as healthy as I could, did all my mm -hmm. research, read everything I could, took, got another degree. I go, you will find that all of a sudden things become very, very clear. Mm -hmm. Your cognitive function becomes far sharper. You make way better decisions. You have better relationships with people in your family. I, the, the, at first, my clients wouldn't believe me. They thought I was talking hocus pocus. What's this guy selling me? <laughs> you know, yeah. what's he trying to do? And at the end, they'd go, you were 100% right. And I've had people come back to me and go, I've changed everything. That changing my health, gave, I have a better job. I have more money. I have better relationships. I'm happy. I feel better. And I'm all, I told you. And, and, and that's what I'm trying to tell people. That's why we start with health. You'd be shocked how everything else will follow. I'm more productive now, almost eclipsing 50 than I was in my twenties. And it's because I work on my health every day, but I don't work on it. I tell people it's all autopilot. I don't think about anything. Sure. It's what I do. And they think, oh, you just sit around eating kale and absolutely not. I look forward to every meal I have. But instead of eating six, seven snacks and meals and, you know, thousand calorie lattes, I eat one or twice, once or twice a day, only when I'm hungry. Yeah. And it's hard for people to kind of let that sink in, you know, that as hunter gathers as humans and just like animals, I'm a hunter. Starvation is common. You yeah. don't have access to food all the time. There will be periods where fasting, fasting came from that's starvation. That's when you start, to, you don't have food. You can't find it. So you're, you're, you know, you're out gathering nuts, berries, whatever you can, unless it's winter, then you're really, then you're digging up roots, you're eating tree bark, you're eating whatever you can get. Today, it's about an overabundance of everything. You know, we're mainlining sugar. You can't get sugar in nature the way we get it. It's literally impossible. You can't do it. Sugar is pretty rare in nature, but we're eating 43 teaspoons a day on average mm -hmm. of sugar. And I tell people, you just have to get in the right mindset, change that, get your health in order, and everything else will follow. Will it make you a millionaire? No. 
It could. Maybe you can count your money a little better and understand your, your credit card statement. Um, and all that, but you'll save money. People, it's a, it's a total uh, false that that being healthy is more expensive. Oh, I don't it's believe in that. It's far cheaper when you do it correctly. It's far cheaper in the long run. Yeah. Over a lifespan, it is way cheaper. To well, be medically, healthy. you're not going to be in the hospital every five minutes. Well, time. You know, time, yeah. effort, and what it does is it takes away that productivity, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, I remember days I'd, you know, be sick, you get the flu, you're out for a week. I don't, I don't get sick hardly ever. I mean, I don't say that I don't get sick. I still, I'll catch a cold. Sure. But but up here in the woods where I'm at, in six years, I've never had a cold up here. I've never caught anything. Mm-hmm. But I go back to uh, Southern California where my family and stuff lives, even though it's a small town, I'll go visit friends in San Diego. I get sick every year. Every time I go back, hmm. I get sick. Interesting. And it's because, A, they're people that are very unhealthy, and it's a Petri dish. Dish. Yeah. There's so many people. And, yeah, it's uh, the health thing you have to focus on. And it's the thing that people fight the most mm-hmm. when it comes to change. That's the first one that people go, oh, I ain't doing that. But it's, but it's, <laughs> mind, but it's mindset. Gary, like you said, and I and I'm a firm believer. And let, let me really quick before we wrap up. I, what do you think? Because I'm a I'm a big believer in law of attraction. <clears throat> I really do believe. That's why it's really cool what you said about. I don't tell people, you know, what's going on medically with me, which I agree with. I mean, I mean, my wife, you know, knows, but I I don't broadcast it because I'm a believer in the law of attraction. I think once you put it out there, you're going to get that in return. So if you, the more energy you give it, the more focus you give it, you're going to get that in return. Am I wrong? Well, no. And what happens is what's the point? Mm -hmm. I'll mention it to someone if I think they can help me and they have knowledge or if someone asks, well, what are you going through right now? And I'll explain it to them go, Hey, this has been going on. Uh, You know, but I just don't go out and, and start don't give it energy. I've, yeah, yeah, I've had people I don't know walk right up to me and literally tell me every health condition they have. What's the point in that? People do that to me sometimes too, and I'm like, I don't, I didn't ask. Why are you telling me this shit? You know, I think it's almost they use it kind of almost as a built-in excuse. I know I've done it. Hey, we've all done it, and that's the thing I I think is the biggest thing we run in today is we we love making excuses and blaming everyone else for our problems, and once you take. And health is the easiest one because health is the one that you can change literally right this instant. Mm-hmm. You can say, I'm going to change this today. I'm going to get rid of all this sugary stuff. I'm going to the grocery store right now. I'm going to buy better food. I'm going to start walking tonight. You can literally do it right now. No special equipment mm-hmm. necessary. You don't have to get the gyro gyrating machine that's on at 2 a.m. for 25 payments of $99.99. You got these things called feet. There's 25% of your bones are in your feet for a reason. Those were the first automobiles for us. Mm -hmm. That's how we got around. I tell people, start using them. Mm -hmm. Stop using your butt and start using your feet. And they kind of go, well, you mean just walk? I go, just walk. Yeah, just walk. Go up the stairs. Don't take the elevator. Don't park directly right next to the grocery store. (laughs) It blows me my mind. I I know where you're going with this. Circle 15 times. (laughs) Just waiting, and then they'll honk at people. And then they could have parked and been in the store by now. Been in the store. And it's overcoming (laughs) kind of this new institutionalized laziness, too, that we have. It's it's almost to the point where, I mean, that's I mean. I look around, and I'm all, whoa, whoa, whoa. 
you know, I hate to be this way, but I go, you should not be in this place right now eating that. <laughs> well, because they're going to blame somebody else. They're easily, I mean, I'm seeing people at uh, this place I go to as a cheat meal every once in a while. They've got it shoveled high and they're easily a hundred pounds overweight. And, you know, they've got the compression socks on and I'm just watching going, what makes you think this is a good idea? Why, why do you think this is all right? You know, if I looked like you, I would not be in here. You know, I feel guilty and I'm eating way healthier than you. I'm in here. And it's coming over that too, that realizing, because I'll get people that say, well, I, uh, I'll, I'll, we'll leave it with this. This is a great statistic just to drive it home. The CDC did a study, a mail study. They mailed out these surveys. I can't remember. I think it's like 1,500 people. It might have been more. And they asked them to rate their, their state of health. 70% of, of, and this is in America, obviously, the CDC, they came back, 70% said good to excellent is their health condition. And I went, have we lost our minds? Are we completely just on another planet at this point? Because statistically, 70% of us are overweight or obese, not the opposite. And those statistics are pretty solid. And that's the point is we're, we're not even taking responsibility for it. And I, every person I've ever asked, they go, well, I go, why are you, why are you coming to me? I used to, I used to do one-on-ones mm -hmm. and th they go, well, you know, I'm just trying to be, get a little healthier, you know, this and that, you know, I want to lose some weight. And I go, okay, well, we're gonna have to change your diet. You know that, right? Go, oh no, no, no. I don't eat like the average American. Oh. I'm not that I eat healthy. I, every single person who sits in front of me to get help they all say that well and you know gary it has to start with being honest with yourself look there's many things in life we can't control but you can control what you eat you can control not going to mcdonald's drive-thru and i'm not knocking well strike that <laughs> you know what i mean fast food uh you can't control that stuff Right? I mean, there's a lot of stuff we can't control. Nobody's putting a gun to your head saying, you know, go through a drive-thru and get shit for food. Right? Well, not only that, but it's very expensive now. And I, I've told people, because, again, the first excuse is I can't afford healthy food. I go, how much did you spend at lunch today? Oh, I think it was 15 bucks. And I go, where'd you go? Oh, you know, even fast food. I mean, it's pretty hard to get out of there for under 10 bucks today. Um, and especially the portions we're getting you know we can't get one big mac we got to get two yeah and the supersized fries and the large coke and i go i'll tell you right now i can eat a 100 organic meal for less than that guaranteed and you know they kind of go oh well i go and their irony is today we we are buying more cookbooks in the history of humankind we are cooking the least amount of home meals that we have ever cooked in the existence of human beings. Mm. <laughs> we're insane. buying this stuff and we're not even using it. That's the, the crazy part about it. Because it's cool to part. buy it, Gary. Well, it's got really <laughs> neat pictures in it and it looks good on my bookshelf. And I think that's the lesson I'm trying to teach people is that, hey, we're, we're not in this alone. We're, we've all screwed up. We've all done this. But the thing key is you have to take responsibility at some point and go, okay, enough's enough. I need to change this. And you don't have to do it overnight. Yeah. Everyone, and we're in that instant gratification stage too, where if it's not quick, 
I'm not doing it. And I always used to say on the health side, I go, you've spent the last 30 years screwing your health up. You think you're going to change this in a couple mm-hmm. weeks? This is going to take a while. And I always tell people, you need to give yourself 12 to 18 months to really diligently work at it, to really see the results. And that's not the answer they want to hear. They want to go, I've got a vacation in three weeks. We've got three weeks. And I go, no, you've got three weeks to do it on your own and get out of here. I'm not here to make you look good in a bathing suit in three weeks. That's not what I do. And they kind of, I've had a couple clients look at me and go, you're not going to help me. I go, nope, leave, go. I don't need you. That's you know, I'm not here for your quick fix. Yeah. I'm here to help people. That's not going to help you. You go go to Oprah for that. Yeah. Go someplace. Don't come here. Do you ever do you ever wonder, and I've wondered this a lot, <clears throat> not with everybody, but I've known a lot of people that have done this. People that are getting married. Mm-hmm. And I'm not knocking marriage, but people will do whatever it takes to lose weight, to look great in the wedding photos, and then once the wedding is done, all the shit again. I'm not saying everybody. I'm just saying I've known people like this. So they've have it in them to lose the weight, to be disciplined, to look good on a photo for one day. But then everything goes to shit after that. <laughs> so you ha- people have, some of these people have discipline, right? Well, it's, the, it's the microcosm of marriage today too, right? It's how many times do you hear, and I, I, have, I have a chapter about marriage and weddings in my book that's probably going to get some people <laughs> wound up. But I talk about that. I go, I'm sick of hearing is it's, it's my special day. Or I want my fairy tale wedding. And I go, what? So you're going to blow 40. It's an average, if you throw in the honeymoon, right around 40 grand is what we're spending. Ridiculous. In, in some of the biggest places in Manhattan and in, in San Francisco, people are spending six figures plus on one day. And I go, so it's kind of, it, what we've done is it's me, me, me. Instead of thinking, well, we're here for love for each other. Well, why do you need to spend 40 grand to show that? Because it has nothing to do with love anymore. I, I, I hate to say it. It's come down to convenience, and I want to look cool. I've been told I need to get married. Eh, you'll do. You are stand, you're in the right place. Let's make, you know, we're living together. Why not? How many times you heard that? Well, we're living together. We figured we might as well just get married. That, that was the whole conversation on this. And it's not like we live in a society that has a high divorce rate or anything like that. Oh, no, people <laughs> stay together forever. Yeah. And that's another thing I, I talked about, too, because it's based on math. I go, would you take the rest of your earnings or even a month on 50% odds, a flip of a coin, and put it all on something unknown without knowing? You're just going to throw your money at it and say, flip the coin. No one would do that, right? But that's what we're doing with marriage today. And then when you factor in the second and third wedding, it gets worse. So if you, yeah. oh gosh, don't take this wrong way, Patrick. Um, <laughs> I'm not saying that getting remarried is a bad thing. But the statistics show that as you continue to get married, the divorce rate goes up. So we're not learning our lesson on the first one. We're repeating it. And I think with marriage, it's turned into money and show. And again, that's part of the system, right? It's part of that increased thing of debt. The best mm-hmm. marriage uh, weddings I've ever been to were in people's backyards yeah. that were potlucks. Yeah. They were fantastic. Everyone had a blast. There was a couple kegs, n- no DJ. It was some uncle who came over and, you know, had some big speakers in a stereo. Everyone had a blast. Yeah. Great time. And that's kind of how I look at it. I mean, it's, it's, it's almost as if we've lost touch with what makes us happy. Right. Yeah. 
Yeah. I think we're looking, we're being told what makes us happy instead of deciding for ourselves what makes us happy. And I'm not against marriage, not against kids. Mm-hmm. I'm against, I'm against the institution of marriage today. Mm-hmm. It's run by government agencies. That's marriage today. Then your divorce, now nah, it's a whole nother, you know, can of worms. Because <laughs> that's a whole industry. Oh, yes, my friend. So, so I just, uh, I like to break things down into, into finances. And I'll give you my theory and I'll wrap up, I swear, this time. You get me on too many tangents. <laughs> but is you have to look at money a little differently if you're going to follow my philosophy. And this is what I teach. I don't vilify money. The world runs off money. Yes, it's not backed by anything. It's funny money. I get that. But society runs off it. So you have to look at money equals freedom. Mm -hmm. The more money you have, the more potential freedom you can obtain. The more freedom you have, the less money it takes to maintain that freedom. And the way I give that example is as you get into debt, you have less money because you're, you're servicing that debt. Mm-hmm. So you have less freedom. You can't go on vacations. You can't go out. You can't go to the movies. You can't do the things you want to do, right? Well, as you pay off that debt, you start to have more money, but yet you haven't gotten a raise. Say you're, it's, it's static. Nothing's, nothing's changed. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But you have more money. Well, guess what? Now you have more freedom because you paid off that debt. And that's why I use, because some people go, well, that's kind of rhetorical. That kind of goes in circles. I go, no, no, no. It actually works. You just have to look at money as freedom Mm -hmm. and not money as buying things. And there's a difference between being financially comfortable and financially free and greed. They're very different animals. Mm -hmm. One has a limit. One does not because I know what my limit is and it's not to be a billionaire. Uh, Being a billionaire, I, I have a hard time computating that. It's it's a thousand million dollars is one one yeah. billion. Uh, that's way more than me. Multiple generations, probably even till the next meteorite hits, will ever need. <laughs> you know, yeah. I have a hard time with that. That one's a rough one for me. But I do know people become billionaires. You know, hit hit a home run, massive company. I get it. I have a problem when they don't stop. Can't you find another life purpose? I mean, do you need to own the world and maybe Mars as well? I mean, can we just maybe (laughs) focus on something else? Because what you could do good with that money is the problem I have with that. Exactly. It's how many community centers can you, can you build with $80 billion throughout this country? How many health clinics can you build that focus on you exercising and true nutrition and diet? How many of those can you build? Those guys aren't building any of that. Mm-hmm. Not doing any of that. And that's where I have a problem. Yeah, Anything that the charity they do is a tax write-off. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. Gary Collins. <laughs> the man. I agree with you, brother. If people want to find you, brother, where can they find you? Uh, my website is the thesimplelifenow.com. Remember the now or you'll end up at, I think, uh, Nicole Ritchie's and Paris Hilton. <laughs> I forgot about that one. I named the company. I went, oh, that, well, that's an old show, isn't it? The Simple that? Life? Yeah, it was their show. Yeah, that was a show like years ago. I completely forgot about it. And uh, <laughs> I was reminded by a friend once I pitched the name, go, I've already bought the domain. Go, oh, oh, maybe, you'll, maybe you'll get some people who, uh, you know. And so go there. My books are sold worldwide now. Um, I just released my first audio book. It's 
Awesome. It's, new, it's the RV book, but the new financial freedom book will be in audio as well. And I plan to do them all in audio. I'm going to get it when it comes out. I'm going to go. I'm going to, it's going to be all up in the show notes, buddy, how to find your books, your website. I appreciate you coming on the show. Very informative, very enlightening, much success to you, Gary, in the future. If I can ever do anything for you, brother, please reach out. It was a joy. Love to have you back on. When the book comes out, I want you to come back on if you'd be cool with that. I, you know, I, I love doing interviews. I'm an odd bird. I'm an extroverted <laughs> introvert is what I tell people. I love doing speaking, and I love doing interviews. Yeah. Well, I, I appreciate also love my quiet time. All right, brother. Well, you take care, Gary. Thank you for coming on, sir. Thank you for joining us for this episode of the CJ Evolution Podcast. For more strategies for self-improvement and resources based on today's episode, be sure to head to cjevolution.com. You can also connect to Patrick directly on social media at Pat underscore Fitzgibbons with any questions, comments, or concerns. We look forward to helping you find more personal success on the next episode of the CJ Evolution Podcast.